Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Now, Lord Jesus, if you will bless these thoughts and words uh, that I have prepared, these who are here this morning may be encouraged and be able to go home without feeling and wondering why they came. Amen. Now, you see, I said that for more than one reason, really. But if this doesn't work out too well, you can understand right off that's Lord's fault, not mine, because I've asked him to bless the service. If you had your Bible with you and you turned to Matthew, the 25th chapter, Jesus is talking about the judgment. And I want to read these words to you, starting with the 34th verse. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know, this is a very familiar passage. And every one of us know it, but here's some mysteries connected with this that swamps my soul. I I try my best to fathom what Jesus is saying here, and it's too difficult for my mind. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, invite you in, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and came to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. It's hard for us to believe. Or maybe I should say it's hard for me to believe. Uh, That... Where and how I spend eternity depends upon something so simple as this scripture that I read to you, that being involved in the daily routines of life and how I use the cup of water in a sense that Jesus has has given me to use as I go about my daily business. Can it be possible that the way that I handle myself 
and these mundane things will say how and where I spend eternity? Well, now, dear ones, if I understand what Jesus is saying, that is precisely what he is saying. I think some of the saddest words that I've ever heard, just said by people and sometimes by myself, is what I could have done with what God has given me, but what I did not do. Well, this is Palm Sunday. And we think about the glorious entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. My, what an occasion that was and what a spectacle that must have been. And if I had been there, <clears throat> I probably too would have pulled down a few palm branches and thrown them in the path of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was coming to town. And I can imagine myself to even be caught up into the spirit and emotional part of the situation, and I too would have cried out, Hosanna in the highest, and made other sounds of praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I was not there. And this special, unique situation I had no part in because I was not there. But does that mean that I cannot be in a particular or special place and have a special part in the ongoing of the kingdom of God? My friend, if we look at this situation and see that uh, that that is something that is gone forever, part of it is. But for you to think that you do not have a part and place in the kingdom of God is one of the most awesome mistakes that you will ever make. Because you see, Jesus is telling us that we have a possibility to do something uniquely for Him as we have an encounter uh, with one another. It is almost too much for my mind to, to lay hold of. For me to believe that this scripture, to believe that I have a part and pay place in the kingdom of God in such a unique way that I can actually minister to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people, <clears throat> we hired a, a young man this past uh, week uh, to keep the score back at our ball field. He's from the seminary. And I hear the Baptist seminary, and I asked the young man, I said, what do you plan to do? What kind of degree are you taking? And he said, well, the thing that I really want to do is prepare myself to be a missionary. And I thought to myself, now, isn't that wonderful? Here's a young man that's gone to high school, finished college, and now he's in graduate school, prepared himself, uh, to be a missionary in a foreign land, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ on the other side of the world. And some people, uh, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they go through a lot of intense training for years. Dear one, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Thank God. For men and women who are dedicated in this type of, of a manner to, to do these kind of things. But you know something? I have an opportunity to minister to the Lord Jesus Christ 
without a lick of training, in a sense, by looking at the needs that come around me daily. You see, if you do not minister to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not because you do not have opportunity. And it's not because you don't have something in your hand to worship Him with. You see. I talked to myself this morning. <clears throat> because you see, this, this week I had a unique situation to happen to me. And I didn't want to be involved in it. Because there was a young man who came to my door and said uh, that his uncle had... Uh, had a, his flat tire over on I-71, about a mile back past the Gene Snyder toward Louisville. And he wondered if I'd take him over there and take his, help him get his tire and bring it and have it fixed. Would you want to? I was busy. I don't know what I was doing, but I was busy. But I wound up, I... For some reason or another, this, this scripture came to my mind. I, I think the Lord knew that I was going to uh, have to say something this morning, and so he just prepared me for it. Do you believe what you're talking about? Do you believe what I said to you in my word? Well, if you really believe that you can serve me by serving this young man, don't be too busy to go help him to do what he needs to do and to put him back on the road. Now, you know, dear ones, this is a real privilege, an opportunity for me to be before you this morning, but I have a feeling deep within inside of me that maybe my best work was done this week for the Lord Jesus Christ by showing a little enthusiasm and helping this young man do something that he couldn't do, that he needed help desperately to put him back on the road. The story is told of an old preacher that uh, uh, made it to the, to the pearly gates, and St. Peter was there, and he asked him, well, what, what qualifies for you for heaven? And the old preacher, he must have been Methodist, he said, well, he said, I preached some great sermons. St. Peter shook his head. We have no record of that. The old preacher said, well, I championed some great causes. Now, we have no record of that. I spent a lot of time doing things. Well, we have no record of that here. So he turned, the old preacher turned to walk away. And St. Peter said to him, are you the one that fed the sparrows? The old preacher said, yes. I fed the sparrows. He says, well, come on in. The master has been waiting a long time to greet you. Such a simple thing. And it's in your hand. You see, I don't understand a lot that went on this week it's a, uh, that we call Holy Week. But I understand a few things about it, and I understand a few things about this scripture. 
You see, it says to me in a very positive way that you should start where you are now, not where you're going to be tomorrow or tomorrow's tomorrow. But you need to be busy ministering to the Lord Jesus Christ and His people today, right where you are. Well, it was only yesterday that uh, I was a young person. <laughs> I often think of this thing. Some of you who are older remember that there was a shop downtown on Brown 1st Street, 2nd Street, and 3rd Street. My age, you forget those things. But it's down there somewhere. But it had to this shop uh, catered to, to the uh, hospital uh, situation, paraphernalia for the, for the sick and the ill. <clears throat> you remember it had a skeleton hanging in the window. Every time I'd go by that thing, I'd look at it. It was a, really a human skeleton, real bones, not plastic. But the thing that impressed me was the little card that it had hanging on that rack of bones. And those of you who remember it, you may not be that old. But anyway, it read like this. Behold, ye stranger passing by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you shall be. Prepare for death and follow me. I don't know why I think about that, but I decided I wouldn't read any contingent stories after I've been thinking about that for a while. You see, not that we don't have a desire to do good. We do have. We want to. We're going to. It's going to happen. We're going to be involved. But somehow or another, we never get around to doing just the simple things that makes life more meaningful for one another. I remember a young friend of mine. <clears throat> we were kids together. I thought he'd never amount to anything, but he became a banker and became quite wealthy in another state. But I remember him way back. He was a bright boy. I didn't feel too bright. Well, in fact, I wasn't too bright. And I was sort of jealous of this young man. I guess we were some total of about 12 or 13. We were, we were, we were good, good buddies. I remember being with him, staying one night with him. And the next morning, I don't know where we were going, but anyway, his mother hugged him when he was ready to leave and kissed him and told him, now, some to the fact, you be careful and you be back at a certain time. Well, when we stepped outside, my friend George had turned green because, you know, at that age, you know, boys don't cotton to that too well. But I remember, this is what I was jealous about. Oh, to God, that I had someone in my life that cared enough to put their arm around me. And by that tell me that they were cared and they were concerned. Because, you see, my mother died when I was eight. And isn't this pitiful or interesting or sad? From that time until I was much older, I never had anyone, anywhere, any place to put their arm around me. Not there. No one. I was with other young people. They had mothers. They would hug their own kid. But uh, I was never hugged. There's no wonder it made such an impression on me. Any young people 
person who is here and think uh, that uh, their mother or father is overprotective. Let me tell you, there's something much worse than never having anyone to show care and concern and a demonstration of a hug. Our concern, you be back at a certain time. I remember about the same time, I was about to say about this age, I had one person within my life outside the family, brothers and sisters, you know, they're not too kind sometimes, that I thought cared. We went to a little Methodist church, and the seats were, had, the old church was old and had been made by hand, the pews, and they were real wide pews. Well, I was a little critter at that time. The only thing big about me at that time was my feet, and this was the summertime. And I remember sitting on those pews and sliding back in that pew as far as I could slide. And my feet were so short, and it's in the summertime, we didn't have shoes. We haven't, we didn't wear them. And my feet would stick straight out like that, you know. You, ever been, you, you could see through your toes, you, you know, you spread them out. And I remember this little, little, little skinny girl, supposed to be my Sunday school teacher. She looked like a hot dog with a string tied around the middle of it. And you know... <clears throat> You could, you could do that with your toes, and you could look at her running back and forth in front of you, and she looked like something in a cage, you know. But I remembered. She cared. She cared. Every Sunday that I was there, she was there. She was there. Talking about care. Little things. If you care for goodness sake, give your cup of water. Now. You read that thing in the paper the other day about this. Uh, somewhere I read it. I don't know what paper readers died. There's somewhere about this young man that was caught for speeding by an officer that had been hiding out and jumped out as he comes speeding by. <clears throat> And pulling him over, the officer said, Young man, I have been waiting all morning for you. And the young man says, Well, officer, I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> so he let him go. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I had the, the ideal or the concept or the feeling to really to believe that this is the day the Lord hath made. And I have a place in it. And it's something great out there for me to do. And the great thing for me to do is to give a demonstration of my care and concern for another human being. You don't think there's much in a hug, maybe, because you get plenty of them. But let me tell you something, dear one, that for those of us who do not have or did not have, it's as a cup of water to a man who is dying because of thirst. And we all have it. Well, start now. I'm going to hurry. You use what you have. Three-fourths of this earth is covered with water. After last night, you can find it out here in the ditch even. If I said to you that you only had a cup of water to give and the kingdom of God, you'd be highly insulted. It's a common thing. Well, Jesus talks about a common thing, food and clothing and a visit and water. 
The regret of my life has been, as I look back on it from this point, that I have not told my friends enough that I care and concern that I love them, especially the one in years gone by that was my friend that uh, killed himself. I wish I'd have told him how much I appreciated him. You saw in the paper here this past week a man that died by the name of Smith Broadbent. It made the page of our news morning newspaper. Smith Broadbent from the lower part of our state, hundreds of miles away. A man that they said that was a kingmaker. He could have been governor. He promoted a man for governor. He became governor. I think one of the buildings over here at the fairground bears his name because he was on the fair board for many years. I remember this man as a, as a, a Methodist layman, served on the boards within the conference, and I had the privilege to serve with him on some of the boards and committees within the conference in years gone by, Smith Broadband. Made a fortune of selling and promoting seed corn. And one of the meetings that we were in, <clears throat> we were talking to a group of us after the meeting was talking to Smith Broadbent, and somehow or another we got on, well, who is it that made, has made the greatest and had the most profound impact upon your life outside the family? So we went around talking about it. I came to Smith, and he was going to uh, tell who had made a, uh, such an impact on his life. The rest of them were waiting to hear what Smith had to say because we recognized him as being a very capable person. And when Smith said who had made such an impact on his life, he says a man and a woman lived down the street from the Methodist church. They lived within a mile of the church and they could walk to church. Said they made their living, a meager one, on a little old farm, and by selling eggs and selling butter and some milk every once in a while. They came to church in their Sunday best. He was in his bib overhauls, and she uh, with uh, clothes that had been made from a flour sack, or grain sack, was done years ago. They were faithful. They were committed. He said when he thought things were going bad, uh, growing up as a youngster, all he had to do was look at them and knew that... Uh, Everything was in his place, and everything's going to be all right. He called them by name, which I've forgotten, because they were in their place, systematically, faithfully committed and dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the two people that has made the most profound impact upon my life. on a lonely night on a hill. Shepherds tending their sheep received the promise from God to the angels uh, that to you a Savior has been born. And there was a heavenly host uh, proclaiming this. A promise made. But you know, dear ones, I have found that all promises made that are, are just not fulfilled sometimes. I remember as a young preacher 
that needed desperately to expand the church. And I remember a man in years by had told me, he says, Preacher, if you ever need any help or finances in the church, you come to me. A man was in charge of a large loan company here in town. I told the board that uh, don't worry about financing this situation. We'll draw our plans up. We'll take it to, to my friend. He's promised me he'll help, and he will help, and we will get our money. Well, to make a long story short, we went to him, and I remember him telling me, you do not have enough equity to get the money. Well, I didn't know what equity was, really. <clears throat> I thought he was going to help, but he didn't help. I was so disappointed and had to apologize to to the part of the board that went from that uh, from that uh, from that church. Well, do we really have a savior? The week uh, that we're celebrating, that we're keeping our mind and our heart, remember that uh, in a critical situation, life of the Lord Jesus Christ, John ran and left his coat. Remember Peter sneaking away when he had an opportunity to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we really have a Savior? When it comes to the crunch time, promises need to be kept. Promises to one another and promises to the Lord. God promised us that a Savior had been born to us and for us. And here comes crunch time. Is this promise God made to those shepherds valid? We look at the cross. And we think about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and we say it's valid. Because the God that promised us salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ kept that promise, commitment, and dedication. And aren't you glad he did? And in the midst of his dying, there to keep this promise to us and to God, he said, I thirst. Now that's interesting to come from a person who turned water to wine and who said, I am living water. That's interesting. And he says, I thirst. I found that in the Second World War that one thing severely wounded men. I was never around any wounded women at that time. But wounded men, one thing they cried out for was a very common thing. Give me a drink of water. Jesus is dying to fulfill his promise to God, to you, and to me, and says, I thirst. And you know, dear ones, I wonder. I wonder. The thing is a mystery to me. Who did Jesus say this for? I think John caught it. Somewhere about the 19th chapter, if you want to look at it, you look at it. He caught what he was really saying. Who was this for? Was it for the ears of God Almighty? I think it had been that Jesus was talking to his heavenly Father. I think he would have been more, uh, his thirst would have been pushed more than adequately. Was it for the angels? Is Jesus talking to the angels? I thirst. I want a drink of water. 
I'm in such pain and agony. I think if he'd been talking to the angels that they would have responded immediately. Was it for the little brook that went by the foot of the cross down the part of the valley there? Was it for this little brook? I think that if Jesus had been talking to nature, that somehow, some way, that brook would have responded to him. But you know who Jesus was really talking to? And I think John called it. He's talking to you and to me. The one who has the cup of water that can satisfy the thirst of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he cares for this cup of water that you carry in your life more than he does anything else. You are in the center of that call. And I close by thinking of what Martha said to Mary when Jesus came. You remember she went to Mary and says, Mary, the teacher is here. The Lord is here. Jesus Christ is here. And he is calling for you. Our Father... Help us to hear, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 